Plants capture CO2. What if we could help industrial plants capture it too? Think how we could help lower emissions. More and more scientists think carbon capture is key to reducing CO2 emissions globally. It's one way ExxonMobil is helping industrial plants be more like plants. That's the unexpected energy of ExxonMobil. The Washington Redskins have fired their head coach. They informed Jay Gruden after Sunday's loss to New England. It dropped the Redskins to 0-5 for the season. Assistant head coach, offensive line coach Bill Callahan will serve as the team's interim head coach. This is according to our Adam Schefter. The Redskins won just over 40% of their games under Gruden and had just one playoff appearance in five full seasons. Washington never found stability at the quarterback position during his tenure, starting seven different players, including four since Alex Smith was injured. The Redskins are tied with the Bengals for the league's worst record since Smith went down. Here's Redskins team president Bruce Allen today on the decision. Last night after the uh, the game, we came to a decision that we had to uh, relieve Jay of his duties. To make a decision like this is uh, difficult, but it was necessary. Our 0-5 start is not just disappointing. It, it, we had much different expectations for this uh, beginning of the season. We're thrilled to have Dwayne here. Uh, we think his future is, is very bright. And whatever gives Coach Callahan the formula for success, I'm sure he's going to do. The pieces are here for a winning team. We have to put them in the right place, believe in each other, and keep fighting for a goal. There's only one way you win. You have to work. You have to get better, and you have to beat your opponent. And that's what we have to do. And I believe these players and these coaches will do that. Dan Snyder brought the Redskins in 1999. He's hired six head coaches in that span, and not a single one have managed to finish with a winning record. Washington has the fifth worst record in the NFL during Snyder's tenure and has won just one playoff game this century. The Redskins have also won just one game since Alex Smith's gruesome leg injury. Here's our reporter, John Kime. Thanks, Wendy. Redskins team president Bruce Allen said they felt they had no choice but to fire coach Jay Gruden. Allen said that not only were the Redskins 0-5, but they were losing games decisively. So shortly after the Redskins' 33-7 loss to the New England Patriots on Sunday, Allen and owner Dan Snyder reached this conclusion. They brought Gruden in at 5.30 Monday morning, informed him the news. It was a brief conversation. Gruden shook their hands, thanked them for the opportunity, and left with his 35-49-1 career record. Allen then spent a portion of his 13-minute press conference reminding the media that a year ago at this time they were en route to a 6-3 record and first place standing in the NFC East with quarterback Alex Smith. Allen said of the culture, it's actually pretty damn good. Back to you, Wendy. John, thank you. It is a Monday. We're glad to have you, Wendy. Next, Chris Mortensen, Ryan Clark, Tim Hasselbeck, and Mike Tannenbaum, who's been on both sides of this equation. We'll talk a little more about that, Mike. Uh, but we will start right off the bat with overreaction Monday, and we'll start with this. Given the resume I mentioned earlier, the Redskins will never win a Super Bowl with Dan Snyder as the team's owner. Ryan, is this an overreaction? <laughs> this is not an overreaction, and I don't think I don't want this to be as negative about Dan Snyder as it may sound when you say that's not an overreaction. Because I've been on this team, I've been in this organization, and he wants to win. He loves the team he has in Washington. He loves the players that he's had. You can see so many times he's fallen in love with different guys on this team and they get to live in that area and make money forever. But that's not the way you build a winner. You don't build a winner by going out and getting guys you like or you don't build a winning a winner by getting a coach and drafting players that you want because you like them in hopes that they can play or in hopes that the coach does as well. So he needs to take a step back and allow a coach, allow a GM to run this team, allow somebody to have the type of say-so that keeps you in the hunt to compete for NFC East championships, that keeps you in the hunt for playoff spots, and that eventually puts you in position to get to a Super Bowl. And I just don't think he's done that to this point, and I don't know if he'll ever change. Well, I think among the most troubling things we mentioned is the fact that he's hired six head coaches, Tim, and not a single one have been successful. 
uh, you know, that that is a consistent pattern. But I'll ask you the it's same question. It's a consistent question. pattern. So is, it's, it's not an overreaction. I think what we have to, to answer this question was, was you have to use the, the evidence that we already have, which is exactly that, Wendy. He's hired coaches, many of them very good coaches, guys that have had success, in Joe Gibbs's case, with that organization prior to Daniel Snyder being, uh, you know, being the owner. So it's not an overreaction. I think too often times, and Ryan was getting at this, too often times there are certain players that have a direct line to him. And some players mm-hmm. love that. It's a great thing for certain players because mm-hmm. they feel like they have a direct line to the owner, which is you know above the head coach and above the general manager. It's not good for winning. It's mm-hmm. just it's not. And so that's a problem. And so I, I think when you look at that and you consider that there are other organizations that are doing the right way, I'm going to say it's not an overreaction. Mart? I'm saying it's an overreaction. Because, <laughs> because no, no, no. He thought why. about it. He thought about it. I, and you would have to think about this one because I have seen team. And I'm going to be respectful of owners who have who have passed away. Mm-hmm. I have seen some owners who were not really good owners, but they did hire a good general manager, mm-hmm. and they did hire a good coach who hired a good coach. So it, 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 the basic alignment for success is owner, GM, coach. That's yeah. that's the basic success formula. Formula, unless you got a Bill Belichick who can do it all, and, and Bob Kraft obviously has been a very successful owner, but you can do it. I think when they had Scott McLuhan as general manager, yes. and I realize Scott had some personal demons they had to deal with, but when they had him, I think they could have built a winning team. But clearly, Bruce Allen, the president of the team, didn't want him there and pushed him out. So I think that I've seen other owners who were not sustainable, but they did win a Super Bowl. So I, I, I think mm-hmm. that Dan Snyder can do that. I don't know when. Maybe not in my lifetime. Might be in yours. <laughs> I agree with Mort. I think it's an overreaction. One of the great things about the NFL is how quickly the script can change. And this reminds me a little bit of the Rams situation. A couple of years ago, we go out to the Rams. I'm with the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. We beat Jared Goff. Jeff Fisher just gets let go. Goff's a bust. They don't have a head coach. And now a couple of years later, Jared Goff is the cornerstone franchise quarterback. Sean McVay setting up for a dynasty. Everyone wants to pluck coaches from his tree. So if they get this next higher right, they can flip the script very quickly. And that's one of the many things I love about pro football. There's countless examples over the years. But again, if Dwayne Haskins turns out to be the quarterback, they believe. And he does have a high ceiling. Let's remember, he only started 14 games at Ohio State. This can change quickly, and hopefully for them it does. I just think this, though, like in the Rams are a great turnaround. But they haven't won a Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Like, think about, like, let's say that Dwayne Haskins is Drew Brees, okay? Which I don't, I, I would say that he's not going to be, but, but, but let's say it's Drew Brees won one. Mm-hmm. Right. Aaron Rodgers. So, so Aaron Rodgers won one, one. Mm-hmm. So like, even if you get a coach figured out, you know, Mike McCarthy's a great coach, like, and you have a great quarterback, like, yeah, it can happen, but there's no guarantee that it happens, even if you get those things figured out. And so that's why I think even some of these, the, these turnarounds with that, that have been great and a team has made it to right. a Super Bowl. That's, that's different than winning. I, th- I think the other huge piece of this is the history. And, and Tim talked about it when he initially answered this question. The history of this franchise before Daniel Snyder was a history that was rich in winning, a history that was rich in, in competing in Super Bowls and winning those as well. And it just hasn't been under, under him. And, you know, you look at the Rams. The Rams had, had won a Super Bowl you know, during that tenure, it fell off with Jeff Fisher and then they got it back going. I just don't know unless the personality of the man changes, the personality and the way that he works in that building changes. It's going to be very difficult for a coach or for a GM. You mentioned Scott McLuhan, who was doing a good job. It's going to be difficult for people to succeed under him. I, I just ask you this. I ask you this. You played for the Steelers. Is there a direct line to ownership for players or is there like a protocol? So, so here's what I'll say about it. It's, it wasn't necessarily a direct line to the Roonies, but when I saw Mr. Rooney, he could say, how's Yonka doing? He could say, how's Jaden doing? And so those were the right. type of relationships you have, but, but you it wasn't going around him to talk about but, what's happening in football. But I think we're missing the point. Like, fundamentally, those are all true, but I have seen in my career, 1997, the New York Jets, we got there, Coach Parcells, Coach Belichick, the 96 Jets won one game. In 97, we won nine. In 98, we were in the championship game. 
with Neil O'Donnell not being the quarterback and a lot of questions had to be answered. And my point is, they can make a transformational change. You win the Super Bowl? No, we fell okay. short. Okay. <laughs> and I'm not saying, but you know what? Dan Snyder's going to own the Redskins for a long time, Ryan. And my point is, they can make a transformational change if they get the right coach in well, place. Well, let's stop right there because I think we all agree that this is a pivotal decision. <laughs> Clearly, getting the right coach at this juncture is important. So as we continue over Reaction Monday, the next coach better want Dwayne Haskins. We understand that perhaps Gruden did not. In this case, Mort, should the next coach, or does he have to want Dwayne Haskins? Is that an overreaction? I'll say not an overreaction, but just for this reason. Everybody knows that Dan Snyder handpicked this quarterback at number 15. And I realized the pre-draft hype was all about, boy, this is a great prospect, but he only did play one season at Ohio State. So clearly Snyder is going to insist that this coach stick with Dwayne Haskins, whereas I had another Redskins insider, and I'll call him that, who says that they need to get an evaluation on Dwayne Haskins this year because they could end up with the first pick or the second pick and have to reevaluate and reassess that comparing to the next class draft class of quarterbacks. But I don't know that Dan Snyder will hear it. Which we saw Arizona do. It'd be crazy if we saw that in back-to-back seasons from yeah, two different that's teams. That's the example this guy brought up. Yeah, well, it, it makes sense. Listen, we'll wrap up a wild week five on the West Coast as the undefeated 49ers host the upstart Cleveland Brett. Wait a minute, you guys didn't I was just going to, I'm like, where are you going? What? No, Wendy Nick, I'm going to tell you what. That's when you let the show go, people. If Wendy Nick says it's over and it's time to bump, we bump. I don't know where my, it's not over. It's not over. You can over I hear music. It's, it's not over. I would say I don't think the coach needs to, to want Dwayne Haskins. You don't think they do? No, because I think sometimes a coach will have a, a an opinion of a player, and then and then from afar, and they'll get a chance to coach him. And I think the player can change the opinion that the coach previously had about him. I mean, remember Mike McCarthy was with the 49ers, and mm-hmm. they did not draft Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Right. He then becomes Aaron Rodgers' coach. And I will guarantee you that he was happy that Aaron Rodgers was <laughs> So it, it has happened before. And I, I think so. I think a coach with that opportunity to be the head coach of the Washington Redskins, a franchise that does have a lot of great history to it, would be excited for that opportunity. He's going to want to try to get the best out of all of their players. I, and I agree with Tim. I think it's an overreaction. If we're sitting here in January and we're with the Washington Redskins, we want to know, is Bill Callahan, should he be our head coach? And where are we with Dwayne Haskins? And they'll know over the course of the season, he may or may not be the quarterback, and they have to learn that during the course of the season. One of the things about Coach Callahan, and I worked with him for three years, he's an excellent in the run game. He's excellent in terms of protection, and I think he'll do everything he can to make Dwayne Haskins successful, look for a lot of play action. So we'll know a lot more about him, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's necessarily the bar whether or not that coach gets the job. But they have to yeah. correctly evaluate them. But, and I assume we all agree the evaluation has to start pretty soon. Yeah, I would think so. And I think it's an overreaction. And you can go to your point about the Los Angeles Rams. And I don't—I know Sean McVay personally, but I don't necessarily know how he felt about Jared Goff. But I can't see any coach turning on that film of Jared Goff's rookie year saying, I cannot wait wait to work with this guy. But he gets there. on him, man. If I get my hands on this guy, I'm going to be a superstar. But you get in there and you work your plan. You find ways to bring out the best in that player, in that quarterback. And that's what this coach is going to have to be able to do more so than wanting Dwayne Haskins. I'll say this. Dan Snyder will have to get the coach he wants, whoever that is, the coach he wants, and that would be the one, if he gets that guy, that special guy, he'll listen to that coach. Mm-hmm. But if it's like the second or third or fourth choice, because remember, great some point, of these Mark. coaches yep. have options. Right. And the Redskins right now would not be a popular option for some of these guys, leading guys. Mm-hmm. All right. Listen, now I think we're, we're going to talk about it. Are you sure? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Everybody, paper, I, I, th- I, think we're, I think we're good. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a good idea to move on after I speak. Yeah. <laughs> We say hello now to Lisa Salters, who joins us from Santa Clara. And Lisa, under the national TV microscope tonight, two teams still trying to figure out where they are. We'll start with the 49ers, who are now just one of two undefeated teams in the league. Where do they think they are? Yeah, Wendy, well, our Monday night crew last saw Jimmy Garoppolo in week two of the preseason. His first game action, remember, since a knee injury early in 2018. He played just three drives, but he was one for six, had zero passing yards, and an interception and a QB rating of zero. And if you had said back then that the 49ers would be undefeated in September, I'm not sure how many people would have believed that. Richard Sherman, he says it's still too early. A three-game sample is too small to know exactly how far this team can go, what they're capable of. 
But what they do know is that coming into the week, they have the third-ranked defense in the league, and their quarterback is healthy and is feeling confident. Uh, Garoppolo told us it wasn't until week one against the Buccaneers when he scrambled out of the pocket, took a hit, got right back up for the next play that he realized, hey, I can still do this. I guess that's a good feeling, Lisa. The Browns, meanwhile, also feeling good after their win in Baltimore last week. And that win means they are also atop the AFC North standings for the first time in five years. But now, of course, they want to get over 500. What would that mean for this team tonight? Well, a lot. Uh, Baker Mayfield said a win tonight would be huge because it would give the Browns a winning record for the first time since December of 2014, which equals momentum, Mayfield said. And it's putting stuff on film that the league has to respect. Rookie head coach Freddie Kitchens said he heard all offseason about how talented his team is. But what he's learned through this first quarter of the season is that it's going to take more than just talent. We're a young team, Kitchen said, and sometimes young teams need to be shown the way. Look for Odell Beckham Jr. to have a big game tonight after just two catches for a career-low 20 yards in the win over the Ravens last week. In nine career Monday night appearances, Beckham is averaging 102 receiving yards per game, the highest for any player in the history, Wendy, of Monday night football. Wow, he said set the bar high. Lisa, thank you. Uh, is that the key? Let's start with you, Ryan. We'll, we'll begin with the 49ers. What's the key for, the, for San Francisco? Well, the key for them is going to be getting pressure on Baker Mayfield. You heard, you, you heard them speak of that defense being the third-ranked defense in the league, and it's because of this front that they've assembled with Buckner and Bosa and D. Ford. They've gotten after every quarterback they've played this season and put them under immense pressure, and that really alleviates a lot on this secondary where they are playing extremely well, and we've seen the Cleveland Browns and Baker Mayfield struggle when teams have gotten pressure into his face. We've watched him try to escape and make plays down the field, and it just hasn't happened, and so this is going to be a strength of the San Francisco 49ers against a weakness of the Cleveland Browns. And I believe if they can exploit that, that's how they win this game. All right. You heard Lisa talk about what Odell Beckham Jr. has done on these Monday night games. Obviously, you got Baker Mayfield. What's the key for the Browns? I think you have to have balance. You know, we have talked so much. And I think that what Freddie Kitchens was talking about, too, is that we talk all about all their talent, but that doesn't make you a good team. And it doesn't mean that you win games. But I think one of the things that helps you win games is having balance. And you just look at the performance against the Ravens a week ago. They called over 26 run plays. I mean, and so Nick Chubb had over 20 carries. And so I just think you need to be able to do that. If you get into a situation, Ryan alluded to the front of the 49ers. If you get into a situation where you're calling 40-plus passes, then I think that's a recipe for a loss mm-hmm. against that front, especially with that Browns offensive line. The 49ers also looking for their first 4-0 start since 1990, so both teams in positions they haven't been in for quite some time. This game will be interesting. Does this place look haunted? No, I don't think so. What about those two creepy girls? Come stay with us. That is truly frightening. You know what's really scary? Missing out on Geico's great service. With Geico, you get 24-7 access to licensed agents. Uh, thank you, creepy girls. Want to see our room? Mm, we're going to sleep in the car now. Happy geico Switch today for 24-7 access to licensed agents. Packers went into Jerry World and did what they usually do in Dallas, and that's come away with a win. Green, Green Bay improved to 4-1 behind four touchdowns from Aaron Jones. The Pack now 5-0 all-time at AT&T Stadium, including the postseason. Here is quarterback Aaron Rodgers. Well, I think the, the first difference is our defense. You know, we're getting the ball today, you know, with all the turnovers we forced. And uh, I just think we're just a more connected team this year. We're uh, enjoying each other more. We like each other, I think, a little more. We hang out with each other. It's uh, The locker room is a raucous environment, um, whether it's a, you know, a Monday or whether it's right after a big win. Um, I just think guys really, uh, really play for each other more. We have that chemistry that um, because of the leadership that we have that maybe we've been lacking the last couple of years. We're not backing down. As I said, we'll, we'll take this one on the chin. We're going to um, take the good, take the bad. We're going to learn from it. And um, hopefully we'll look back at this and say uh, this was a turning point or this was a this was good for us. We'll come back and overreact to the Cowboys. But right now we send you for live coverage in Washington. The start is uh, quarterback. You've already three of them have already played at, through five games. What do you think happens for Miami? Are you ready to name a starter? 
No, I'm not. And uh, we're still evaluating some medical things with Case. We want to see where he's at. Uh, still contemplating uh, whether or not to uh, start Case or Colt. And we're in the midst of those discussions right now. So I think a lot of it will have to do with, with Miami and defense and what they present and what gives us our best options. Is Dwayne so a that, contender for that job? Uh, not right now, but he will be at some point in time. You know, we're going to continue to develop him and, and uh, heighten his maturation process and try to get him on schedule so that he is prepared. So there's always a possibility, you know, a possibility he could be active or deactive. So we'll, we'll see as we move along. What are you looking for in Dwayne to know that it's eventually time to let him go ahead and learn on the job? I think it's time now for him to be prepared because anything can happen. And I think as a, as a quarterback, you're always ready to step in and step up. It occurred in the Giant game, and it can occur again, you know, based on the decisions we make as a staff. So, you know, his progress is, is incremental and starting to show signs and flashes, you know, of progress, but he still has a ways to go. And uh, I'm looking forward to coaching with him. And I think he's a great kid. He's got a you know, bright future, and uh, he's our franchise pick. So at some point, at some point, you know, he'll be, he'll be the, uh, in the lineup at some point in time, whether it's this year or next year, whatever. Understanding that, though, what, is there like a, a box? Or what, what can you tell us about the actual characteristics, the actual thresholds he needs to meet for him to go ahead and be the starter? Because also understanding there's a very limited number of reps in practice and things like that to accelerate his growth and also for you guys to evaluate and understand what you have in him going mm-hmm. into next year. Yeah, good question. Um, I, think with, I think with his development also, you know, we've got to be conscientious of get, getting him some repetitions during the course of the practice. So that'll be a little bit of a shift in philosophy as we move forward. So he will be able to take repetitions at some point, you know, uh, whether it's at the beginning, the end, the middle, uh, but we're really cognizant of trying to rep him up during the course of the practice so that he is prepared and that he does obviously get exposure to, you know, game-type repetitions, you know, that can uh, dovetail into potentially a starting position here uh, in the future or next year, whatever it may be. Did, did you did When they talked to you about becoming the interim coach, how much did they talk to you about his development well, it doesn't take much to figure out that he's the first-round pick and that we've you know, put in resources into that position. Uh, I take it upon myself to be cognizant of, of where he needs to go and where he needs to be. Uh, but no, his, his development is very, very important, and uh, there's a good plan in place uh, futuristically for that to happen. What, what can you do as an interim coach? What can you do to change this situation, turn it around? Well, it, it's, it's, a, it's really there's no magic formula. And, uh, you know, as we go forward, you know, I'm going to rely on the staff and the, and the team, the, the captainship, the leadership of our team uh, to, to change the course. Uh, there's, there's really nothing, nothing, you know, there's no magic formula, you know, to all of a sudden go into a winning team. But I do think the formula of working hard and preparing hard and preparing better, uh, I, I think those things are under control of the staff and the players. And I truly believe they're committed to doing that. We've gotten great effort from our players. And we need more consistent effort. We need to be a more consistent team in the second half. I think that is uh, that has shown itself across the board, you know, at, in, all, in all phases. Bruce was in here earlier. He said he anticipated you making some changes to the schedule, the practices, things like that. Understanding your respect for Jay, are you – what are some of the things you've observed or, or feel like you want to change coming in? We'll tweak some things and make adjustments to others. Uh, I have a plan for that. I'm not ready to announce it. Uh, I prefer to wait till Wednesday morning to uh, visit with the team about what we're going to do in practice and how we're going to go about uh, our practice regimen. And um, really, just, I don't want to be. I want to be a little more patient because I've only been in this situation for less than, <laughs> than uh, eight hours. I think now, so I, I'm going to take my time. With that, but there there will be some practice adjustments uh, based on who we're playing. I think there's there's always that element of what you need to get prepared for, whether it be uh, a four three defense, a three four defense, uh, whatever those issues and problems present themselves defensively for the offense, and then conversely, you know, for the defense, you know, what they're facing on offense. So, you know, practice will get adjusted according to what we're going to face, if that makes sense. 
Bill, how are you approaching this personally? Is this um, an audition for you? Do you see this? Is this the job that you want next year? Would you like to have this head position next year? I've been auditioning for over 20 years in the National Football League. Now, I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm not auditioning, but nothing but trying to get our team better and really really be focused on Miami. This is uh, it's a, it's a good opportunity to help improve our team and to lead our team forward. I'm not worried about me. It's not about me. It's about our team. And it's about what we can do to get us out of this rut that we're currently in. This is a historical franchise. It's a prestigious franchise. And to be where we're situated right now uh, doesn't sit well with any of us, the staff and players and people in every area of the building. Uh, this is, un- like I said, uncharted waters for me. Mm-hmm. I've never been in this situation as a coach, assistant or head. So... Uh, there's a lot of work to be done. There's, there's a lot of work to be done. And uh, like I said, there's real no magic formula, you know, to make this thing turn. So we'll, we'll work on it day by day and week by week. And we'll just focus on what we need to do, and that's getting prepared for Miami. And just a quick follow-up, Kevin, to take over uh, offensive play calling and keeping Greg. Yes, good point. You know, uh, Kevin, we'll take over the play calling. I've got a lot of faith and confidence in Kevin. He's a bright young coach, and he's got a bright future ahead of him. He will do a great job. He's well prepared, and uh, in a lot of ways, you know, he's, he's was kind of like Jay's conduit. You know, he kind of had a lot of uh, uh, kind of, but did have a lot of influence in the play calling. So it's just a matter of putting that belt on him and letting him pull the trigger. You know, and, and obviously uh, coordinate the communication. You know, to the quarterback on game day. Bill, right here. Uh, Bruce was in here earlier saying that the culture in this building is damn good, and you described it a little bit yourself. So how does the culture in this building that you're describing translate into wins right now? Because that seems where the mindset is for you and for this organization. I think we have a a young core nucleus of players that have uh, contributed uh, to our team, and uh, it's unfortunate they haven't experienced success uh, like our veterans have, uh, the culture is uh, in the environment is is on a day to day basis is is setting the tone through our leadership. Uh, the, our culture is one of working harder, being more prepared, uh, being more focused, improving on a daily basis, improving fundamental techniques, improving. Uh, when you go when you go into a meeting, when you go on the field, when you're in a competitive environment or a competitive drill, those improvements need to take place, and we need to have more of that. So the, the culture of, of defining um, exactly what we want to be and where we want to go, I, again, I again it's going to have to happen this week, and it's going to be piecemeal through the week as we go through the Miami preparation. But uh, that culture is, is always changing. And I think for our players, it'll, they'll see some slight changes to schedules, to the way we practice, to the focus of what we'll, what we'll demand in the meeting rooms. So there'll be a little bit of a shift in that respect. Bill, you have, we've had conversations. You're a very detail-oriented individual. And you said right now the way things are, they don't sit well with you, the 0-5 start. I'm sorry, one more time. I said you're very, you and I talked very detail-oriented. And you said that the way that things are right now, this 0-5 start does not sit well with you. How, what are the changes that you hope to make over the next 11 games? What are the things that you saw over the first five games that you think to yourself, that's something that we need to change in order to have a different outcome these next 11 games of the season? Well, I think first off, uh, the, the, the identity of who you are and what you want to be has to take place. I envision ourselves as a, as a running team. I like to get our run game going. I think that's important because everything else is complementary off it. The run action passes and protections off of it complement your running game. Uh, we can, if we can move from two down, we can play two down football and go from first down to first, to second down to first down. Uh, that would be huge. And in order to do that, the consistency of the running game is going to have to take place. So that run identity not only helps us be the physical team that we want to be, but it lends itself uh, benefits in every other area. The defense, you know, clock time, letting them sit on the pine a little bit. So um, we're really conscious of making that shift. You know, we have a we have a good stable of running backs, and we got confidence in. 
and um, that'll be the focus going forward for us. That's one of the areas in that respect. Well, that was live from Washington, D.C. As Bill Callahan addresses the media, he'll te- step in as the Redskins interim head coach. A couple of things stood out. Let's start first with the quarterback, because when asked about the starting quarterback, he said he had decided, but he used two names in his answer, and that was Case or Colt, indicating we would not see Dwayne Haskins, at least not right this minute. Yeah, I, I think Bill was very forthcoming in, in this. He, he was he was clear. Dwayne Haskins is not a candidate to start right now. Mm-hmm. But he also was clear that he understands that he was a first-round draft pick. They have an investment in him, and they will increase his practice reps as they try to develop him. Kevin O'Connell, who is the offensive coordinator in title but hasn't been the true play caller because Jay Gruden was that, is going to kind of take that over. And you can elaborate on Kevin a little bit. He's got a good reputation in this league. But, yeah, I mean, for, for Bill, I think he's also – he didn't mention in that press conference, but he understands they're missing some people on the offensive right. line. They're missing Darius Geis, who was supposed to start at running back. So I think he wants to gradually get into this thing but still develop Dwayne Haskins and while Case Keenum or Colt McCoy takes over. The fact that he doesn't even mention him as being in the mix, though – I think for so many Washington Redskins fans that have been clamoring for him, saying, like, what's the holdup? Why are we waiting for him? See, Daniel Jones is playing in New York. Like, like what's going on here? I think it's actually telling in terms of the kid's development, to be honest with you. To be at this point, to have the quarterback play be what it's been, the fact that you're 0-5, you have an interim head coach who, in large part, is going to be evaluated on how Dwayne Haskins does this year, and he says – yeah, you know what, I'm thinking of two guys. I'm basically one that's injured and one that didn't play very well this last weekend. So, like, I mean, that, that's that's, I mean, that's yeah, what he's been saying. And so, you, you know, it, it, it gives you a little bit of a glimpse into the window of how the organization, not just Jay Gruden, feel about the development of Dwayne Haskins. But, Tim, we also saw a glimpse into a little bit of Bill Callahan, and words I heard were heightened sense of urgency, not only for Dwayne Haskins, for that whole building, mm-hmm. and this whole organization will benefit from Bill. He's high character. He's tough. He's smart. He's passionate. He's relentless. And I think he will heighten the sense of urgency for Dwayne Haskins, mm-hmm. which is a good thing long term. It's just not going to happen overnight. But when he does go in the game, Bill, and he's done this at Nebraska. He took the Oakland Raiders to the Super Bowl. He will put his players in the best chance to be successful. And I think that's going to rely a lot on the running game and play action and play to Dwayne Haskins' strength, which is he can get the ball down the field. And I think when you watch the press conference, if I'm a, a player on that team, I feel very comfortable with Bill Callahan leading mm-hmm. us. He, it, didn't, it wasn't too much for him. He's been in this position before, and he has a plan. This isn't somebody who also feels like they have something to prove. He wants to go out and be the best coach he can possi- possibly be to put this team in position to win. And that's the type of thing that they need. They needed some type of stability at this position and moving on from Jay Gruden. And I think this is the perfect pick for that. And, and, and just to add, and more, you touched on it earlier, one name to keep an eye on, Kevin O'Connell. When we were at the New York Jets, Rex Ryan was our head coach. Mike Penn was our defensive coordinator. As a player, they relied on Kevin O'Connell to help design blitzes because they respected his football acumen so much as a player. And just watching his natural leadership and intelligence, he's a star in the coaching industry. And I think that's a great move by Bill Callen to let Kevin call the plays. And let's see how it goes. You know, maybe a couple months from now, we're talking about the combination of Bill Callahan and Kevin O'Connell. And it's a, it could be a very interesting future for the Redskins. Listen, coaches, even in an interim basis, they want to win football games. Mm-hmm. Sure. That's right. Which is why this game this week is interesting. You got the Miami Dolphins winless. Does anybody want to win that game, though? Yeah, and Washington Redskins are winless. I, I know Callahan wants to win the game, but I, and I'm sure Coach Flores down in no, Miami they, does, too. You, you, you definitely want to win the games, but I just think when you move on from a coach and Jay Gruden, who's been there in the last six years, there's a culture that he's established. There's a way of doing business that the Washington Redskins are used to right now. And sometimes you need a shock. Sometimes you need a joke. Mm-hmm. And this is something it seems like Coach Callahan is prepared to do. Well, Lewis Riddick is in Santa Clara for tonight's Monday night game, and he joins us now. Lewis, uh, let's start with what you heard. If you were able to hear Bill Callahan, I'm not sure you were. Uh, if you were, what you thought, and if not, what your general reaction was to this move at this time. Yeah, unfortunately, I, Wendy, I wasn't able to hear what he had to say. But, look, my, my reaction to what is going on here is now, you know, first and foremost, the, the focus has to be on trying to get everyone on the same page front office, coaching staff. There cannot be no division as far as 
what the you know long-term vision is for this franchise, and primarily when we're talking about the guy who's at the focal point of all of this right now, which is Dwayne Haskin and his development both this year and then on into the future. Look, you know, sometimes things become a self-fulfilling prophecy in life and in football overall. And all you've heard all along, and I'm not necessarily disagreeing with this, what I'm about to say, is the fact that Dwayne isn't ready. Dwayne needs time. Dwayne needs to learn how to study. Dwayne needs to learn the verbiage of this offense. He needs to learn NFL defenses and what have you on down the line. Well, that's fine. But it got to the point where now it's almost it's almost like now you're hearing all this other stuff come out after the fact, after now Jay Gruden is sent along about him not being able to, to play this year, not being ready to play this year. He may not be ready to play next year. He may not be ready to play in two years. I mean, why, why is all that stuff continuing to be said? And it just seems like there need, a lot of that stuff Coach Callahan needs to calm down and say, hey, look, we drafted this guy 15th overall. He is the future of this franchise, whether people here like it or not. And if you don't like it, then we can send you down the road too because we need to put all of our resources into making sure that we try and develop this young man to his fullest potential and at the same time build out the rest of this roster, build out the rest of this program, and see if somehow, some way, after all this time of Dan Snyder owning this football team, we can get this organization moving in the right direction instead of having agendas going all over the place where next thing you know you're turning this place over every three, four years, which has been the case. It was the case when I was there, and it's been the case since I've left there. So I think that is what Bill Callahan has to do. That's what ultimately, now the guy who's in charge of the football operation overall, that being Bruce Allen, needs to establish. I did hear some of the quotes quotes that he had and some of the things that he mentioned, you know, as, as far as him addressing them firing Jay Gruden. And quite honestly, I don't know how he's able to say some of the things that he does, but, you know, if that's what he believes, that's what he believes. Because you're not paid to give effort in the NFL. You're not paid to try hard. You're not paid to put in long hours and say, hey, I'm doing the time. I'm, you know, I'm out there, you know, beating the bushes and going to all these schools. Nobody cares. What people care about is whether or not you win. And under his stewardship, they haven't won since Dan has been there. They haven't won consistently. Obviously, Jay Gruden didn't win consistently, and no one else has. So right now, I think that in a nutshell, is really exactly what they need to be focused on, which is getting in strict alignment in that building once and for all about this is what we're trying to be as a program, as set forth by Dan Snyder, the owner, who ultimately has to set the course of this franchise. This is what we're supposed to do as a front office. This is what we're supposed to do as a coaching staff. And we can't have leaks and people telling people, well, I didn't want this guy and I didn't want that guy, and this guy's not ready to play and that guy's not ready to play, and we need to do this. We should have drafted that because – the pillar franchises in the league, you do not hear that stuff coming out of New England. You hear anybody up there ever talking about the fact that Jared Stidham isn't ready to play or Tom Brady's going to be done in this number of years or what have you? You hear that stuff happening in Green Bay? Do you hear that stuff happening in New Orleans? You, you just don't hear it, and you hear it constantly there. And unfortunately, they're having to reset this organization once again. And now Bill Callahan is charged with the task of seeing if he can salvage a season that right now has spiraled out of control. All right, Lewis, thank you. Certainly a lot of questions and not quite as many answers as we continue. And this franchise tries to turn the page and move ahead. Well, new on NFL Live this afternoon, uh, according to Mike DiRocco, our Jags reporter, head coach Doug Marone said Jalen Ramsey did see a back specialist on Monday, expecting a report Monday evening. Of course, we know that this uh, ostensibly anyway kept him out of practice last week, Mark. Yeah, and there was a little bit of a buzz last night when Deshaun Watson, the Houston Texans quarterback who plays in the AFC South, posted an Instagram photo of him and his agent and Jalen Ramsey together Uh-oh. out out together. And it seemed inappropriate that you know Jalen Ramsey was not with his team and hanging with Deshaun Watson inside his own division. As it turns out, he was in Houston to see that back specialist today. Jaguars were aware of it and said they had no problem with it. He's supposed to return back to Jacksonville tonight. All right, that standoff continues. We continue with this. The Packers went into Jerry World, do what they usually do, and that is leave with a win. Green Bay improves to 4-1 and one behind four touchdowns from Aaron Jones. The Packs now 5-0 and oh all-time at AT&T Stadium, including the postseason. It is Monday, and so we will continue to overreact. So I say this on Overreaction Monday. The Cowboys are pretenders tim overreaction for me i think they're a legit contender i think they played a very good team in the nfc yesterday that's got a very good defense and one of the best quarterbacks in the game 
And so when I look at Dallas, I think they're competitive defensively. I think they're good players on that side of the ball. I think they have uh, some pass catchers that can give people fits. I mean, Amari Cooper did that yesterday. I think their offensive line, when healthy, which mm-hmm. they weren't yesterday, uh, can play at an extremely high level. And, yes, wait for it. I think their quarterback is good enough for them to be a legitimate contender. So, yeah, I think it's a good team that played a good team and didn't, give, you know, didn't have their best. So right. I'm not panicking. Fair enough. Yeah, I believe it's an overreaction as well. I mean, Tim really pointed out a lot of the things that we saw with this team yesterday and also throughout the season. You go back to yesterday and you go to the first interception by Jair Alexander, it's actually a drop by Randall Cobb, and that starts Mm. this ball rolling downhill for the Dallas Cowboys. But you saw that they were able to get passing yards down the field against a defense that has really improved in the secondary in Green Bay. And so now looking at this team going forward, they need to get healthy on the outside. You want to get your pro, your all-pro left tackle back and ready to go. They also need to get Ezekiel Elliott rolling, which you couldn't do yesterday because you were playing from behind. There's still a lot of season left for the Dallas Cowboys, so I'm definitely not out on them. I believe this team is put together to win. It's about making sure you execute on game day. Thank you. Gen- oh, what, so, such gentlemanly yeah, behavior this afternoon. So nice. <laughs> I, I agree. It's an overreaction. I think they are contenders, but I think their formula is they have to pass the score and run to win, meaning have the ball in the lead in the second half, give it to Ezekiel Elliott. And the one criticism about this defense is they are fast, but they're a little undersized. And I think what Green Bay did is they exposed the vulnerability that they're susceptible to defending the run. And when a team is patient and running the ball, and what we saw yesterday – with Aaron Jones, that's their Achilles heel. But again, I agree with RC and Tim, all the playmakers they have on offense. And once they get Tyron Smith back, arguably the best offensive line outside of the Indianapolis Colts. So this is a team, a deep team, a well-built team, and they should be there at the end. I'll say overreaction. Listen, losing at New Orleans, even without Drew Brees, that's, it's not easy uh, to, to win there. Right. Uh, and they, they, the two wins come against teams that, I mean, there, there are three wins come against teams that aren't very good. But look, it, they, they have too much talent. And that field, Jerry World, is not a great home field advantage. Nobody who's been there. I was shocked at how well Green Bay handled them, especially dominating early in the game. But the thing that was most disappointing was I heard players saying, we didn't have the effort. There's no excuse for that. Mm -hmm. But I still believe that they are contenders. Well, you talked about that Indianapolis offensive line. So let's talk about this. We'll switch gears, though. We will continue to overreact. And I'll say this. The NFL now has a blueprint. In other words, they tell us how to beat the Kansas City Chiefs in that offense that's so difficult to slow down. Ryan, do we know now? Is this an overreaction? <laughs> Listen, this is an overreaction. Unless you're going to hurt Patrick Mahomes, Sammy Watkins, and Tyreek Hill, then that's not necessarily the blueprint. What, what we did see, I think, is more about the Indianapolis yes. Colts, that this team is built yep. to win. They really were building this team to win around Andrew Luck. They wanted a run game. They wanted protection. And they got all of those things. And also, they got Jacoby Brissett because Andrew Luck was often injured. And so this team went out and played the way that you needed to. But you can see the difference in Patrick Mahomes and the way that this offense moved before he had the injury and after. I think it really pointed out that his mobility is also a very large part of his success. He couldn't get outside the pocket. He couldn't make some of those throws that we are in awe of seeing in most times in most cases. And he was also missing some weapons on the outside. Kansas City does need to find some playmakers on defense other than the two plays that Tyron Matthew made. No one else stepped up. But this team is much better when healthy and when Patrick Mahomes is doing the things we're used to seeing him do. Overreaction for me as well. I mean, I, you know, people are going to play more man against them. But I think that if, if they know that that's happening and they get Ty- Tyreek Hill back and Sammy Watkins is healthy, <laughs> and then you're trying to deal with Travis <laughs> Kelsey, you can't. Right. There's so many guys. Yes, and Eric Fisher does a play, which, you know, part of the issues in terms of the pressure, I think. But I think when you just look at the last two weeks, the thing that has killed the Chiefs on offense is fumbles. Mm-hmm. Yes. They've fumbled the football. And unless that becomes something that is just a an issue that keeps showing up, I, I, Andy Reid's coached offense for a long time. They're working on ball security. They're going to do that. It, and that's something that I would think they clean up. But if they don't, yeah, that that can slow the off. That's the blueprint. You want the blueprint? Make yeah, their good players themselves. fumble and gain an extra position. <laughs> right. I'll say overreaction. I think this was more about the Colts and the Chiefs for me. And uh, I think as we move along in the season, it'll be interesting to see. Because Chris Ballard, the GM of the Colts, when he went there, 
he noticed this is a franchise basically now. 19 seasons they've had Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck mm-hmm. and only won one Super Bowl. So changing the dynamics of that team, being more physical, not being bullied by anybody, uh, I don't know if that's a reflection upon the Chiefs, but I do think it's a positive reflection upon the Colts. And the one thing I am worried about the Chiefs, I'm starting to see Patrick Mahomes get nicked up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and that's one thing that's got to change. Yeah, and I agree it's an overreaction from a standpoint. Like the blueprint, it's very hard to beat this team. Now, mm-hmm. the other part that I agree with Mort is when you look at the Colts, they have four offensive linemen that were either drafted in the first or second round, and they control the ball for 37 minutes. So if you're going to beat them, you're going to need to be able to travel an offensive line the way they did last night, control mm-hmm. the line of scrimmage. And also, I agree, Tim, like if Shade McCoy doesn't fumble that ball, they're going to get at least three there, probably seven. And to me, that's where the mm-hmm. whole complexion of the game changed. Yeah. The Colts snapped the Chiefs' streak of 25 straight games with 25 points. That was an NFL record. Mike, thank you. We love having <laughs> you on Mondays. You are, uh, you're done for the day, though. We'll see you back here in a day or so. Yeah. Week ESPN will honor the Monday Night Football home team's coach. And here he is, Coach John Regalia from St. Ignatius Prep in San Francisco. Don Shula High School Coach of the Year Award announced at the Pro Bowl in January. Took down the Steelers on Sunday to move into first place in the AFC North. Cornerback Marlon Humphrey punched the ball out from Juju Smith-Schuster in overtime, setting up Justin Tucker's game-winning field goal from 46 yards out. As we say hello now to Chris Mortensen here in the Domino's pregame headquarters for the latest Mort Report. We'll stay uh, with that game because one of the more notable uh, things that happened, of course, was the injury to Mason Rudolph. Where are we? Yeah, Mason Rudolph took that hit from Earl Thomas, who was very contrite, and we all saw uh, Rudolph go down and lose consciousness. That was clear. And so, therefore, he was helped off the field, wobbly, after he, he regained consciousness. He went to a hospital, but the good news is he was released from the hospital and went home, and today he was in the building and reportedly interacting with teammates. Uh, now, what I was told this morning is, hey, when, you, when a guy loses consciousness like this, unlikely to start this week. But they'll take this day by day. He's in concussion protocol. And if not, Devlin Hodges would start the game uh, Sunday. And Paxton Lynch possibly signed for the practice squad to the regular squad. But first, they want to see how Rudolph does throughout the week. We got That's right. It's just Monday. But there was also a little controversy more with the medical oh. tent. Well, it was the with cart, the cart. Yeah, say. it was the cart because, you know, they had a cart out there, but the operator, the cart wasn't able to get it going. And so finally they took off his face mask and the doctor determined, according to the league official I spoke to, that he did not have a spinal injury. So he didn't have to get on the cart. Now, they had another cart available at the stadium if they wanted to put him on the cart. But the optics on it was not good. Everybody saw that. And the NFL Players Association is still investigating this. They weren't happy with the way it was handled. Okay. Uh, also probably disappointing, the start for the Falcons to this season hasn't been what anybody expected, I don't think. How secure is Dan Quinn's job? Yeah, and Arthur Blank, the owner of the Falcons, who, who's a big Dan Quinn fi- fan, said, you know, hey, I'm, I'm not firing Dan Quinn right now. But everybody has noted that since they lost that Super Bowl in the same stadium they lost to Houston yesterday, NRG Stadium in Houston, to the New England Patriots, Dan Quinn has a losing record. Uh, Dan Quinn also fired all his coordinators last year, and he himself is the defensive coordinator, and that was not good yesterday. So I think the bottom line is Arthur Blank will stick with Dan Quinn throughout the end of the season, and then he will reassess because he's basically given this coaching staff, this front office, everything they wanted in terms of money to sign key players and to keep key players. Finally, the Jets and Sam Darnold still waiting on a return from his mono. Uh, Where are we and uh, how will they handle that this week? Yeah, Jets coach Adam Gase said that Sam, Sam Darnold will undergo more tests tomorrow. And if he passed that test, he'll play this week against the Dallas Cowboys. Now, he got all the reps last week with some expectation that from the coaching staff that he would play. But last week was the first week he even had any cardio workouts. And Friday came and the doctors basically said no go. And I think the organization was comfortable with not throwing him out there in this situation that early. But all expectations are if everything goes well tomorrow. Sam will start the game uh, against the Cowboys. All right, Mort, thank you. Thank you. Look, you probably cleaned up in fantasy if you had one of these guys. Deshaun Watson passed for five touchdowns, no picks. Also had over 400 yards. And the beneficiary, Will Fuller, tied the franchise record with 14 catches and three touchdowns. He had 217 yards when all was said and done. Aaron Jones rushed for four touchdowns, the most by a Packers player in 20 years. He has eight touchdowns already this season. 
Michael Thomas had another monster game over 180 yards. All three of his touchdowns this year have come with Teddy Bridgewater. And then there's this guy, Christian McCaffrey, continued to flat-out roll. He tied his own franchise record with 237 scrimmage yards and added three scores just for good measure. So how about this? As we round out overreaction Monday, Christian McCaffrey, the NFL MVP so far. Not an overreaction. I know there's some arguments here. But Christian McCaffrey, the last two weeks, went into Houston and beat the Texans and Deshaun Watson. And yesterday, winning that game against Jacksonville, big time. They're playing with Kyle Allen, their backup quarterback. He is playing as good a football as anybody in this league, and they are 3-2. and two. So I'm going to say Christian McCaffrey is the MVP so far with a lot of games left. Well, more, you know, I love to agree with you all the time because really. most of the time <laughs> you're right, but you're wrong this time. This is an overreaction. And it's not because Christian McCaffrey isn't playing excellent football. He's really carrying this team, especially now that you have a backup quarterback. But I have to go with Russell Wilson right now. This is Seattle Seahawks have been a team that we've been used to seeing them run the football and play great defense. And as the season gets along, those were the two things that got better. And we would see Russell Wilson carry this team early on in season, but never like this. This is a guy with 12 touchdowns, no interceptions at all. And we watched him make some plays last Thursday night against the Los Angeles Rams that were flat-out ridiculous, that shouldn't be able to be made, both with his legs and with his arm. When they gave him that money, and he gave us one of the greatest IG videos of all time, go Hawks. He was letting us know (laughs) that that this year was about to be a movie, and it's been awesome to watch Russell Wilson so far. All right, so he gets your vote. I'm um, I'm feeling like Mangini used to feel in this segment because, like, the truth is, they both could easily be the MVP. I mean, both We're of those guys you up could to be. Fail here, yeah, I mean, Tim. like, there's, there's no way. And well, you I'm can going, say McCaffrey could be the offensive player of the year. No, because I, like, I'm gonna go to Patrick Mahomes. Like, yeah, I think exactly. we're starting to take for granted how ridiculous this guy is. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, yeah. the truth is, these other guys have been amazing, and Russell Wilson does make a throw that maybe only Patrick Mahomes is the, you know, the other quarterback that could make a throw last Thursday night. But when you watch him play, there literally is usually at least three. But sometimes five plays where you watch it and you're like, you know what? Basically, every quarterback room that I've ever have, you know, been in. <laughs> That's like, wrong. Don't yeah, right. do that. Right, right, no, right. no, 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 no. Don't right. do that. You're, right. you're not allowed to do that. No right. one here is good enough to do that. Don't try that. <laughs> right. And then he does it. And so you just think, I mean, they have a third and 28 that they get 27 yards on. And we're like, oh, yeah, they almost get it. Like, we're, right. I think we're starting to take for granted how but, ridiculous But isn't that how it happens, though? You get desensitized to some of these I guys' greatness. So. And coming into the year, yes. I picked Patrick Mahomes to repeat it at, as MVP. And the thing I said about him was, I believe his numbers are only going to pale in comparison to Patrick Mahomes from Dude, last year. Numbers. But I do think pale. Yeah. And, and I do think sometimes that plays a role in it when you see a guy like Russell Wilson playing so well. I missed some of those Russell Wilson throws because my eyes were desensitized to those u- uniforms. <laughs> I had to mess with the contrast of my TV though. <laughs> you need I was blinded by the light. Glasses. Yeah, there was plenty of light to be blinded by. All right, Mort, you got to go to Sports Center, right? So yeah. you're oh, leaving. Later, Mort. Oh, you've been relieved. It's like Jana Ball. I'm just knocking it down one at a time. I think it's priceless. Picture. A thousand words. All right, we'll pick it. We got to go. I told. Let's go. I'm going to go with the Cleveland Browns, 27 to 17. Odell Beckham Jr. continues his Monday night dominance. Mm. Okay, go Tim. Going the Niners, yeah. 20 to 17. Actually, Jimmy Garoppolo and that group get it done. I try not to make a habit of agreeing with you, but yeah. in this particular case, I you do. Be I'm right. going 27 yeah. 21. I do. Looks like I'll be, right. be the only one so right we'll next see. Monday, baby. Listen, Sports Center with. Hannah Storm and Keith Olbermann coming up. We'll be back tomorrow to take a look at this game. And then we turn the page. Week six coming up, but we got one more to go. Okay. 